0: and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts.
1: The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama.
0: Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 908 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Tuesday into Wednesday. And thank you, as always, for joining us on the podcast. Plenty to get to on this evening's episode, and a lot of audio that I will play for you from practice availability on Tuesday evening, a rare evening practice because the Hawks are now in Phoenix. They flew to Phoenix earlier today in advance of the game on Wednesday, and Lloyd Pierce and Brandon Cohen spoke to the media earlier this evening, so I will play some stuff from Lloyd Pierce on a bunch of topics momentarily. But first, the Hawks have played 10 games, and it's a good time to take stock of some numbers. I will caution you now, 10 games is always a small sample size, Always, 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 and the temptation is always to overreact to the first ten games because they are the first ten games, and that's especially true this year after the extended layoff that the Hawks had. It's, uh, it's sort of this, sort of feeding the appetite of everybody. So the, the Hawks are five and five, of course, which is interesting. But I would just caution you again: ten games is a small sample size, and this year especially, it has really been very weird in the NBA. Now everyone knows that, but by the numbers. And by the stats, it's even been weirder. I know Kevin Pelton has done some interesting stuff on this from ESPN about how much variance has been happening this this season. It's always the case, but it's even more now with the lack of home court advantage. And guys, obviously teams pulling the plug earlier, there's been lots of blowouts, lots and lots and lots of blowouts, some weird shooting, all that stuff. So keep that all in mind here and do not panic. I've been stressing that the entire time, but especially for a team like the Hawks that's had some highs and some lows, it's very normal. So far, so I wanted to touch on, touch on some numbers here at the top, and then after break we'll get into Lloyd Pierce, and i look ahead to the game on Wednesday. So, team-wise, at the top here, I will give you the Hawks numbers so far. I, I like to use NBA, NBA.com has basically the, the nuts and bolts stats, advanced stats, that are not adjusted at all. So, they're per possession and all of that stuff, but they are the raw numbers, the official numbers. And by that number, the Hawks have the number 11 offense in the NBA so far, scoring 112.2 points per 100 possessions. That is pretty solid. That is a little bit worse than I would have guessed the Hawks would have been on a full season basis. I had the Hawks in the top 10 offenses, but 11th is not crazy whatsoever. And given the fact that the Hawks shot the ball so poorly for about the last week or so, that's not exactly a huge surprise. Now... Cleaning the glass, which you probably have heard me reference before, is a great site. Ben Falk does a good job with it. A bunch of uh, great stats there. And uh, they actually filter out, to the best of their ability, garbage time from that. So stuff where the game is not competitive. And if you do that, the Hawks are actually top five in offense, um, which is pretty impressive and noteworthy. Defensively, cleaning the glass is the Hawks in the top five defensively. Now... No one, not even the most earnest Hawks fan, would tell you I would imagine that the Hawks were a top-five defense in real-life practical terms. Um, Atlanta's defense was a concern coming into the year. I thought I was a little bit higher on it than some national people were. Even then, I would have projected the Hawks be, to be below average, and if they got to average, that would be a huge win defensively. So top-five is a little bit aggressive, but by the raw numbers at NBA.com... The Hawks are 12th in defense at 108.2 points per possession, so points per 100 possessions, which again, I would take that. If the Hawks, you know, obviously the coaching staff would never admit that, but if I told you right now as someone trying to, you know, wish, wish the best for the Hawks, if Atlanta could bank that number and stick to it, they would probably take that all day long, which they should, coming into the season and then looking ahead. Um, cleaning the glass has the Hawks was as the third best net writing team in the entire league so far at plus 7.5 points per 100 possessions. That's, that's an incredible number and obviously for a 5 and 5 team it's going to sound very strange that does have some some manipulation involved the raw numbers though still plus 4.0 which is number 5 in the league on nba.com in net rating and again for a 5 and 5 team it's pretty weird but basically that means the hawks are winning games by a lot when they win and when they lose they lose pretty narrowly so that, you know, it might stabilize, but usually net rating is actually more predictive than wins and losses, especially in a small sample size. So it could be pretty interesting to look ahead there and it's probably pretty encouraging overall for Atlanta. Now there is some shooting stuff to get into here. The Hawks are about league average or so at three-point shooting at 36%, uh, but they do have the lowest three-point shooting allowed in the entire league at 30.7%. That is going to regress some. It's going to go up. Now, the Hawks are playing decent defense, I will say that, but the Hawks are actually trying to wall off the paint a little bit more than playing playing on the perimeter. So that's going to increase for the opponents, which is not good for the defense overall. There are some factors that will probably help Atlanta in a positive regression sense, but that is one to circle. Teams are going to shoot better than that against the Hawks over a full season than they are so far. The Hawks are below average, actually, as an offensive team, and a couple of the advanced shooting metrics, like true shooting, effective field goal percentage, the Hawks are shooting 49.7% on twos. That is 25th in the NBA. So that's that's really the big problem. And that, as I've been saying a lot in the last week or so, the Hawks are shooting unsustainably poorly so far. We'll get back to the end of that in a second, but that is something to uh, circle. But The Hawks are actually top three in shooting allowed, basically, effective field goal percentage allowed, 50.2%. 50, 50. That's probably going to, I would say, regress as well. Atlanta is a top-five free-throw rate team so far. Most of that's Trey Young with some Gallinari, some Capella built in there. But uh, that's a good sign for your offense. Definitely helps you to get to the line at a high rate, especially when you shoot the ball well from the free-throw line, as the Hawks do outside of Capella, basically. The Hawks are bottom 10 in free-throw rate allowed, which is not very good. They're fouling too much. And this is something that's actually going to regress in the Hawks' favor. Opponents are shooting 82.4% from the free-throw line against the Hawks. Now, that's the one spot where you can't really affect it with your defense at all, but that's the worst figure, I guess the best figure for the opposition in the league. So that's going to come down. That's a little bit of a thing. Uh, well, obviously, you can argue about how much of an impact that makes, but that's going to come down in a positive way for Atlanta's defense. So I'm to circle there. The Hawks are number one in the league right now in offensive rebounding, and that's a huge change from the past. Uh, obviously, Collins has always been a really good offensive rebounder, but now you have Capella as well, and they are really crashing the glass hard and doing a good job. And then defensively, they're actually in the top 10 on the defensive glass with about 75% defensive rebound rate, which is actually quite good as well. So that's another place where Capella really helps you in addition to Collins and Hunter's rebounding the wall very well in his own right. Last thing, quickly on the numbers here, turnover rate-wise, the Hawks are above average. They're 12th in turnover rate offensively at 14.2%. That's a huge improvement from last year when they were actually 28th, and that really hurt their defense last year. And I know I talked about that on the podcast with people like Tyler Jones and Ben Ladner and some others in the last six months plus. But the Hawks, you know, they were bad defensively last year to be sure, but it was made worse by the turnovers, the live ball turnovers in particular from last season. And now they're taking care of the ball a little bit, a little bit more. You allow your defense to get set, and that really helps your defense quite a bit. Um, they are second worst though in turnover creation at 12 percent or so. That is a weakness. You have some guys on the defense. Uh, basically everyone except for Kevin, uh, everyone except for Cam Reddish is not a great like turnover creator. Like even DeAndre Hunter, who's, who's made some strides there, is not not a huge opportunity like steals guy. Um, Collins has been better, but not not great at that. Capella, same thing. They are playing kind of conservatively. Um, owning the defensive glass uh, is sort of more important so far for the Hawks, so you can't be great at everything with the way the Hawks' personnel actually is, but they would like to see them obviously create a little bit more turnovers, and that's something to file away for the future. Um, individually, the Hawks have some other stuff we can get into, but first, a word from our friends at cbdmd.com. January is important in setting the tone for the new year, and in 2021, that has never been more true, but luckily... Our good friends at CBDMD are here to give you the support you need to conquer your New Year's resolutions and make this year your best one yet. If those resolutions happen to involve fitness, they have the brand new topical product that will help you keep moving all year long, and that product is called CBD Relieve with lidocaine, which fuses CBDMD's hybrid broad spectrum formula with fast-acting lidocaine to help you provide temporary relief for your minor aches and pains. And with a new bag-on-valve spray technology, Relieve can be applied comfortably at any angle, even upside down. To make it even easier to get the year started off right, they're offering all of our listeners 20% off your next order when you use the promo code MBA at checkout. Once again, that is cbdmd.com promo code MBA for 20% off your purchase of superior CBD products from cbdmd.com. Today's podcast is also brought to you by good friends at betonline.ag. The NBA season is here, college basketball is in full swing, and the NFL playoffs are happening right now. And with that in mind, there's only one place that has you covered, one place that we trust, and that place is betonline.ag. You can sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag. Use the promo code LOCKEDON for 50% welcome bonus with the site. On top of the NBA getting geared up as the regular season continues with great matchups on a nightly basis, there is a jam-packed slate of college basketball games almost every night. And from there, all eyes are on the NFL playoffs, with the league's biggest stars in action in the upcoming divisional round set to... Trim the remaining teams from 8 down to 4. none now that gets you going, there's a full menu of offerings for BetOnline.ag at any sport you can think of, and BetOnline also has a huge menu of player props as well as live wagering, a ton of future bets, and exotic offerings. Do not sit on the sidelines anymore. Instead, get in on the action, and don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON to receive that 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit with BetOnline.ag. One more time, that is promo code LOCKEDON for 50% welcome bonus with the site BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, now we'll get into some individual numbers before we get to some sound from Lloyd Pierce momentarily. Again, I'm not going to go through them all, but a couple things that at least stood out to me or that were very noteworthy that I wanted to at least point out to everybody. And a lot of these are kind of known already, but still worth sort of taking stock after 10 games. Um, The Hawks are shooting the ball decently from three, as I said before, as a team. But two guys are shooting below 30% that are prominent shooters. One is Trey Young, who you don't have to worry about much as a shooter. The other one is Cam Reddish, who's also below 30%. Those two guys drag the team's numbers down a little bit, but at this point in time, Collins, Herter, Hunter, Bogdanovich, and Solomon Hill are 36% or higher, and obviously Bogdanovich is going to be out for a while, but when Gallinari comes back, he's a good shooter. The Hawks have plenty of shooting. At the moment, though, it's kind of a weakness, I would say. Not a huge one, but without Bogdan and Gallinari at the same time, the Hawks are down a couple shooters. Obviously, Tony Snell would help if he gets more, uh, more reps in the future. But that's an area to pay attention to the next couple of games without those guys. That could be uh, an area of concern. DeAndre Hunter's shooting splits are off the charts right now. He's shooting 52% from the floor, 44% from three, and 85% from the free throw line. That's probably unsustainable, but also extremely encouraging for DeAndre, who's been very efficient, very aggressive. Um, A lot more feel in his game right now, um, attacking the rim, um, getting to the rim, whatever he kind of wants to. Passing better on the drives as well. Lots of good signs there from DeAndre. Capella has been a mixed bag in some ways, but uh, on the glass, he's been huge. He has a 34.5% defensive rebound rate so far. That is an off-the-charts figure. He's averaging 12.9 rebounds per game in 26.4 minutes. That is uh, league leading, capable if he plays enough, and that's uh, one of the probably the biggest reasons why he has been a huge factor so far is on the glass, where he is quite good. And the Hawks, by the way, are sort of building the defense around that; they're allowing their guys to roam a little bit more, knowing that he can get rebounds. There are pl- there are pros and cons to that, but it's been effective for the most part throughout this season. Um, Trey Young, his usage is still sky high, thirty two point six percent. That is a top five number. It is lower than last year, which is worth pointing out. But as of Monday, again, he's fifth highest in the league. As I've been saying, the concerns about him being passive or not shooting enough are kind of overblown. He's still taking a lot of usage, shooting the ball a lot. As he showed, he's really good. His his assist rate's very high as well, 42.9%. That's top five in the league. Um, He'll he'll make some more shots, and his numbers will be there. So uh, we saw a little bit of a preview of that, I would say, on Monday, and more to come there from Trey. John Collins' usage rate is down a little bit from last year, as is his rebound rate. Both were expected, honestly. Capella alone impacts his rebound rate. And then usage-wise, there's just a lot more mouths to feed on this team. But um, still efficient off the charts there. A 64% true shooting from John, which he can see generate, sort of rolling out of bed right now. He's so good at that. And uh, that's something to point out there. So his numbers are not going to be the same uh, raw-wise as they were last year, but still very effective and efficient. And then the quartet of Reddish, Bogdanovich, Herter, and Hunter all have usage between 17% and 20%. So they all kind of have balanced usage. Obviously, Bogdan's going to be out for a while, but the three young wings are getting the ball more than they were last year. Mixed results from Reddish, but obviously Herter and Hunter have been better so far than they were previously. And the final thing here, which we'll come back to in a second, is lineup-wise, the Hawks have some interesting lineup stuff that I want to get into quickly. The Hawks have been awesome, essentially, whenever Young, Collins, and or Hunter are on the court. Those three guys all have plus 9.2 or better nut ratings when they're playing, but the Hawks have actually been pretty bad when Collins sits minus 10.1 per 100 per 100, Trey Young minus 9.2, and Hunter minus 8.0. So basically it's been a lot of bench versus starters kind of stuff, and those guys have been really good when they've played. The current starting lineup with Reddish in there instead of Bogdano, which is actually plus 18.8 over an 80-minute sample, no other lineup the Hawks have used so far. It's played more than 29 minutes together. That's that's by far the biggest lineup that they've used. It's been very effective, and um, Pierce got actually asked later, which I'll play for you about a lineup that actually, basically the combination of John Collins, with Capella. The numbers are really good there, and he hasn't been set on that. But finally, the three-man unit of John Collins. DeAndre Hunter and Trey Young is a plus 18.7 per 100 possessions in 203 minutes. That's a decent sample size. It's not overwhelming, but it's just another reminder that those those three guys have been uh, a catalyst for a good Hawks team so far this season. Okay, we'll transition now into some audio stuff. Sort of a, uh, a grab bag kind of podcast on this fine day. Um, We'll get into the Phoenix game specifically in a moment, but there were some broad things that Pierce was asked about that I'll touch on now. Uh, Travis Schlenk said on 92.9, the game, on Tuesday, that Bogdanovich is going to miss quote, several weeks, end quote. That was expected, quite honestly, once they announced what the injury was. There is no timetable officially just yet. Travis's words are the most official thing that they've said so far on that front, but all of the estimates, even the ones that were the most positive, were still multiple weeks, so the several weeks distinction is not specific. But it's kind, of, it's kind of what we knew already. With that said, he was asked, Pierce was actually asked about what Travis said and whether it was a punch in the gut when the Hawks got the news about Bogdanovich.
1: Yeah, more for him. Um, you know, there's a guy that, that's uh, excited to be here in Atlanta with us, um, excited to start a new chapter, and and he's going to be sidelined for a while. And, you know, it's it's an injury regardless of the, the type of injury or the extent of it. Uh, it's a setback. Uh, We we will take the we mentality as a team and find the next man up and we're happy to get more and more bodies, you know, hopefully coming soon, but I'm more disappointed in the fact that uh, it sets him back I know he's excited and competitive and I told you guys he's been one of our hardest workers since we've had him Uh, so that's really the frustration is is how do you be there for him, uh, a guy that's been excited to be here and has been working his ass off to, to get on the court and perform at a high level, and he has a setback. But such a sport, it happens in all sports. It's it's one of those things that you have to understand. And, uh, you know, I, I saw him before we traveled today, and he he felt great. He said he, he feels good. Um He's ready to do his chair shooting and chair ball handling is what he said. So, um, you know, he's going to continue to work and uh, will be as positive and optimistic with his uh, rehab as we can. And just
0: a quick follow up on that for somebody who has such a positive attitude, who's always been such a hard worker. Is it so imperative that you just tell him to slow down, don't rush it and listen to the docs?
1: Yeah, you know, it's it's um, you know, I, I've been through this personally with, with Joel Embiid. Um, we literally had to kick him off the court. And I'm talking about chair shooting. You know, it's like you can do chair shooting for 30 minutes. And here he was doing one dribble pound passes and ball handling in the chair. And, and this was for two years. And so uh, you like those guys. You like the competitors. You like the guys that love being on the court. Uh, the fact that he's already thinking and talking about it means we, we have to be on extra care in terms of helping protect him from himself, but uh, you also like the fact that he's a competitor and he just wants to do whatever he can in the interim as well.
0: I would say Bogdan has not been, has not been fantastic on the court just yet by his standards. And the Hawks have kind of used him. Interestingly, they kind of have a low usage of him so far. He's capable of doing more offensively when he comes back. I'll be interested to see how they integrate him, but you can hear there from Pierce that obviously everyone likes him. That's what I'm hearing the entire time about Bogdanovich is that everyone's uh, seemed to be been very positive about him off the court Work ethic-wise, you hear that stuff from Pierce there about how how much he's ready to get back in the gym, the Embiid comparison, all that stuff. Uh, Bogdanovich will be back as soon as he can be back, and uh, at some point, I'm sure the Hawks will issue a timetable of some sort, but for now, I will just assume for a few weeks he'll not be there, and we'll address that more later on. Last thing that was not game-specific that I want to get into before we get to a break and then go to the, to the Phoenix game is that, as I said before, Pierce got actually asked about the pairing. It was by Kevin Shannar of Hawks.com, ATL 29, by the way. He was asked about the pairing of Collins and Capella and what he's seen from that group so far. The early numbers for the lineups with John and Clint together have been really promising. What have they done to make that work
1: and what adjustments do they still have to make? Um, you know, we, we kind of got back to some of our old spacing in yesterday's game um, offensively. Um you know, when we started the year, it was, it was John and, um, and Gallo. And so our spacing was different. We could just open the floor up and put a lot of different guys in different positions because we had shooting on the floor. Obviously, Clint's not out shooting threes. And some of that spacing ends up being random. And when you study the film, you find that Clint ends up in a spot you don't want him to be when you're playing random. And so we changed some of the spacing to some of the stuff we were running last year And it's really why you saw Clint get, I think, three dunks yesterday. Uh, We're just able to put him in a different position. And it's also why you saw John get seven three-point attempts. Um, He's become more of the stretch four when Clint and he are on the court in that spacing. And Clint becomes more of the roller and play behind the defense. And I think as they continue to grow in that capacity, um, you're going to see a bit more of that. Clint down the down the floor, John up the floor. John's going to be able to play second side pick and roll, whereas we're used to seeing him play first side pick and roll, he and Trey primarily. Uh, so it's an adjustment for John. It's an adjustment probably not for Clint, but it's getting him back to what he's done his whole career um, as opposed to just being down the floor. We can bring him up the floor and get him down the floor a little bit more. And then when Gallo comes back, Uh, You know, we know what Gallo brings and then we have to figure out some additional spacing when Gallo's with Clint and when Gallo's back with John. And so that's the versatility we've been hoping for and talking about. uh, But we've had to make some adjustments because guys have been out. Uh, But I think they're 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 great together. Uh, You see our offensive rebounding and our rebounding numbers have been pretty good. Um, it's, It's primarily those two guys, their ability to crash create extra possessions. Clint's been tremendous in doing so, um, and I think that's, you know, as people go small, we're, we're going to find ways to go big. We try to play as big as we could yesterday. We'll continue to do so moving forward when teams go small, in addition to being able to match up when teams go small.
0: All right, so there you go. Before we get to some stuff on Wednesday's game against Phoenix, a word from our good friends at Bill Barr. I've been telling you for a long time that Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever and that is still very much the case, but also the new and improved Built Bar is even more delicious. The original flavors are fantastic and they continue to be so, but now there are 18 amazing flavors to choose from, including new selections like caramel brownie, lemon almond cheesecake, and, a, and of course my personal favorite, and cookies and cream. Each bar is covered in 100% chocolate and they're all soft and easy to chew, which is also very important to point out. And from there, I should remind you that Built Bar is also fantastic. For those of us trying to be health conscious, you can maintain or even lose While still enjoying something that's absolutely delicious, bars are low calorie, high protein, low sugar, and high fiber. And Built Bar is even great if you're on the keto diet with all the nutrients you need. And again, a taste that puts other competitors in the space to absolute shame. In order to check it all out, BuiltBar.com is the place to go. Yes, it's BuiltBar.com right now. And use the promo code LOCKED ON when you get there. When you visit BuiltBar.com and use that promo code, you'll get 20% off your next order with Built Bar. One more time, that is BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKED ON for 20% off your next order. Check it all out at BuiltBar.com and try Built Bar today. Alright, so the Hawks are in Phoenix, as I said before, the Hawks play the Suns on Wednesday evening, 9pm start, at least local time in Atlanta, and the injury report is now out as I record this, and it's pretty light compared to where it's been in the recent past. Of course, Gallinari, Madonamich, and Dunn are all out for Atlanta, that's unfortunate, but that's still the case. But, Onyeka Kongwu is the headliner here, he is now listed as probable for the first time this season and could make his NBA debut on Wednesday. Everyone's excited to see that, including myself. That'll be a lot of fun to see if he's able to play. From there, Apella actually is questionable with right hand soreness. And Rajan Rondo is uh, on the injury report as questionable with his right knee injury maintenance. Uh, before we get into some audio stuff that Pierce was asked about for the game, um, the Hawks are actually, at this point in time, at least according to our friends at betonline.ag, the Hawks are five-point underdogs in Phoenix. They've been favored for the last several games in a row. You know, they should be underdogs in this game, in my view. Phoenix is a good team. The Hawks have to go on the road. They're not full strength just yet, especially if Capella's out. That would that would, that would certainly hurt them. If, but you know, regardless, without McDonavich and Gallinari, they are shorthanded, and Phoenix is probably the better team on paper. Still, this is winnable for Atlanta. They can, they can certainly go out there and win, so that's a sort of set-the-stage kind of thing for that. Um, before we dive into the game itself, Pierce was prompted on the fact that Phoenix just, just played Washington, um and their last game and now washington as of this moment has had their next game postponed because they have issues with, with the protocols. so pierce was actually asked about any impact with, with this game specifically which is by the way still on as i'm recording this on tuesday evening there's no issues just yet that i have been aware of with hawk's sons but from there in this answer he also talks about the overall situation with the covid protocols the changes that happened in the last day or so and where they are with all that
1: yeah welcome to nba 2021 um you know, I think every minute and every hour, every day is going to be an adjustment. And uh, this has obviously been the toughest week um, since we've started, as you're seeing games postpone and um, some of the issues. But I think the league, obviously, we've seen some adjustments to the, uh, the protocols and the restrictions and, um, you know, some of the things that we just need to enforce and mandate and continue to be as adherent to it as we can, and we saw the Players Association and the league come to an agreement on what we can do even further to make sure we're doing the right thing. And so, you know, we're preparing as if we're playing, as we always do. We're trying to be as diligent as we possibly can and uh, control what we can control. And, you know, if something happens, it's out of our control. If the game goes on, we're going to do whatever we can to win tomorrow night.
0: Not sure what else to even add there. It's just where we are right now, and if there's anything changes, I will uh, try to do my best to update you. Again, as I said before, sort of the headliner, though, right now on Tuesday on Tuesday night is Kongwu and his potential to end up playing. Um, the first piece of audio that I want to play for you on Okongwu was a question from Sarah Spencer of the AJC about his status and the ability to play after he was upgraded, and uh, Pierce knew that, of course, as he was speaking. So uh, here's what he had to say about Okongwu.
1: Um, I wanted to ask how Onyeka has looked the past few days, how uh, he's just progressing overall. Uh, Good. You know, I I think he gives us energy. He brings a lot of energy. He's, um, you know, obviously working on game conditioning, which he hasn't had, but we're trying different ways. I think Coach Matt Hill has done a tremendous job working with him. Uh, to just put as much functional movement into the workouts after he's played three-on-three three practice the other day. I forget what day it was that we had a practice, but, you know, that's kind of been his 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 one real test of the bo- the bodies being around. Everything else has been functional movement and with our coaches, but he looks good. He's got a ton of energy. He's got a, a great bounce to him. He's physical, um, and we obviously didn't do much here. It's kind of a kind of a funny surface with the court. They've got a lot of construction and dust here, and so it wasn't one of those that we wanted to get up and down to move around a lot. Um, but he's, he's out there working now, and, um, you know, we'll see how he feels and ready to go some point this week. I was going to ask, I know you've said before that just because someone's available doesn't mean they're necessarily going to play or, like, ready to play. Um, he's listed as probable for tomorrow, but do you think that might be too soon for him to actually get in a game? No, I mean, it's, it's, it's probable. I mean, there's, there's nothing we're going to do, you know, from here until any of the other games that's going to change. It's not like we're going to have a practice. So Mm -hmm. it's really just how he feels uh, after the workouts, after the flight, you know, making sure there's nothing drastic that's going to impact how he feels, but it's not like we've got this great practice that's coming up on this road trip. That's going to turn the corner for him.
0: Later on in the availability, uh, Pierce was actually asked more of a personality question from Chris Kirchner of The Athletic about Okongwu and his character so far as he sort of navigates his rookie season.
1: He's just a young kid. um, And so, you know, you you almost feel like you're getting yes, sir, no, sir, although he's not saying it, but he is kind of approaching all of the coaches with that that mentality. Um, You know, he understands that this game is different than any game he's played in terms of just, you know, in his rehab the type of work he's having to do every day, I don't think he's ever done it like that. You know, we're, we're, we're having him go from slide drills to contesting shots to sprinting the floor to kicking it out and running into a... Uh, and he hasn't even shot the basketball yet. This is how he's conditioning. And so I think he's understanding that this level of conditioning the speed of the game is what we're trying to prepare him for. And because he probably hasn't done it at this level, I think he's really approaching everything with open ears and open mind about, you know, how important it is for us to get him ready so that he can be himself. And, you know, I give him a lot of credit. He is a, he is a young guy, but he's respectful. Um, he, he takes coaching well and he does play the game at a, at a high and physical rate. You know, he's got a bounce. He's physical. He'll hit you. Um, you know, I think Bruno said he felt one of his elbows in one of their scrimmages. I know Matt, has definitely felt a few of the elbows. I think Matt Hill, Coach Matt Hill, is, is a little banged up right now because he's the one having to work with him the most. And, um, you know, that's what we like. You know, we, we got some guards that can attack downhill. We got some shooters. We need to create separation. And a guy like that who doesn't mind setting screens is the perfect answer.
0: As I said before, obviously a lot of fun to see hopefully move playing. I would definitely – have my guard up as a fan about not expecting too much out of him coming out of the gate. Pierce has been saying, as you heard there, you know, they've not been practicing in full. Uh, Akonga was basically playing three-on-three a week ago, so he's not going to be fully up to speed here. There was no talk of um, restrictions necessarily, but I'm confident that he will have one if he is playing on Wednesday. Um, And if Capella misses time on Wednesday, which is possible, he is questionable in this game... Akongwu uh, won't necessarily jump in and play 30 minutes that's not going to happen I don't think I would guess anyway but it'll be good to see him on the court because people have almost forgotten about this but Akongwu was a number six overall pick and usually a guy with that kind of pedigree is going to play a decent role obviously the Hawks are better than your normal team picking six in terms of talent after, the, after all the stuff that they added this offseason but without Gallinari and Akongwu, uh, without Gallinari I should say and Bogdanovich and done and all that stuff Akongwu's talent is real and There's a chance if he is, I mean, I would say probably more than a chance, if he's ready to go, I would probably project him to be better than what the Hawks have had in, like, Fernando and Knight. Um, That's kind of a low bar to clear. But even with all the injury stuff, I would still expect him to be kind of more ready to go. At least have some flashes. You know, once Gallinari's back and they can kind of lean on that trio of Collins, Gallinari, and Capella... O'Connor going to have to earn his way into the rotation. But right now, there's plenty of reasons to see what what you have in him. And long term, he's obviously a huge key piece as a lottery pick from this year. So I'm a big fan of his. Always have been, as I was talking about back into the draft. If you missed any of that, by the way... If you're a new listener, there is tons of stuff on Akongwu from around the draft that you you can definitely find in the archives of this podcast, and I was uh, very high on that pick. I liked that selection. I thought it was sort of the best player available choice at that point in time. Um, Fit-wise, there were some questions, of course, about what the Hawks actually needed in that spot, but Akongwu was a top-five guy for me. I loved him in the draft, and uh, we'll hopefully see him on Wednesday. Um, This is not going to be audio, I'll just tell you what was said here, but Pierce talked about Rajon Rondo, who's again listed as questionable for Wednesday's game. He said he's been working, working on his strength, mobility and conditioning, not, not necessarily resting, but more rehabbing during this time. He is going to be, he's obviously on the trip. Um, still questionable. Pierce did, it say, Pierce did say, quote, hopefully end quote with regard to Wednesday's game, but uh, we'll see how, how that all looks. Rondo, they're definitely a, a trusting as a veteran to kind of tell them when he's ready to go, listening to his body and all that stuff and playing it slow and careful with him. By the way, Gallinari not on the trip. Uh, Chris Dunn, as I said yesterday on the podcast, Chris Dunn's evaluation at least in the two week period that the Hawks announced would be Thursday. Gallinari's would be Saturday, but because Gallinari is gone, uh, is not is not on the trip, he obviously won't be back until you know, at least Monday, probably probably after that. But we'll see what happens on both of those fronts. But that's the latest on those guys. The last thing on the podcast today, uh, other than just kind of looking ahead to Phoenix, to the Phoenix game in general, is that um, Pierce was asked about Phoenix. What are those broad you know, pregame questions about a team, but uh, here's what he had to say about the Suns and the matchup.
1: Just uh, a very poised team. Uh, you know, CP brings that element to this team. Uh, Devin is, is an unbelievable player, uh, but to have leadership next to him, to put him in the spots, to feature Devin, uh, really starts with CP's leadership. And they've got some just emerging guys. Uh, Jay Crowder who's coming off a championship Um, level run with Miami last year, being able to play uh, extended basketball. He brings that veteran presence, the versatility, and you see a young guy like Miles uh, Mikel Bridges who uh, has really just kind of blossomed as a three and D and and really he's he's, he's developing and enhancing his game. He's putting the ball on the floor for the mid range a little bit. He's moving off the basketball extremely well. Um, And then I had Dario Sarge in Philly, And you see, you know, he's always just kind of been a below the rim, uh, highly skilled, highly uh, intelligent player. And they can play him in small ball five. They can play him as a backup four. Uh, He gives them another facilitator, another stretch uh, player and another guy that can create his own shot uh, against all that movement. So really poised. They don't play extremely fast, uh, but they do stretch it out. They make simple decisions. They make right decisions and they play well together. And defensively for a while, I know they've been playing at the top of the league um, of just shrinking the floor, uh, not over helping and being in position to take things away. Uh, so we'll have our hands full. Uh, we, we know what we have and the talent and the players that they have. They have the big fella eight and in the middle. Uh, we just got to make it as tough as we can. Keep the threes low, contest everything and, and try and uh, do what we did last night, which is impose the will and try and play to our strengths with this early in the shot clock. And, um, rebound at a high rate.
0: All right, I will leave you with that. Again, the Hawks are five-point underdogs, according to our friends at BetOnline.ag. So that tells you what the expectation is, but the Hawks, again, can win the game. Phoenix is off to, off to a good start. That's a good team that I like quite a bit watching, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and the young guys around them. But it'll be a good test for the Hawks after a bunch of teams that they were probably better than that they lost to, uh, not, not including Monday, of course. But uh, this is a road trip that's pretty tough. And then you have the back-to-back Friday and Saturday, including travel. That That's really tough. So if you want to get a game... On paper, this is probably the one you want to circle. Utah on Friday is also winnable, but back-to-back coming in the future. But there you go on that. We'll have a new podcast after the game on Wednesday late into the night. By the way, these are all late tip-offs. 9 on Wednesday, 9 on Friday, and then 10 on Saturday. So some late-night podcasts coming. Get your coffee ready and all that stuff. And if nothing else, the podcast will be there for you waiting in the following morning. So please subscribe to the podcast. Please tell a friend or two or three about the show. Leave five-star feedback, ratings, reviews shares on social media, all of that fun stuff. And we'll see you after the game on Wednesday.
1: Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.